back on Sunday night for physical reasons, but we'd like the study sheet. So I'm telling you and anyone on our live stream that if you would just simply call the church office and say, I'd like the study sheet for the next study sheet, they will email it to you. So hope you will do that and take advantage of it. And so uh, if you would please turn to Genesis, we're talking about the first section of scripture. There's a principle I mentioned last week, a very important, it's called the, the principle of first mention. That is the first time something is mentioned is very important. So last week we talked about God's design for the home. Uh, the home is of his design. God created man, first of all, in his own image. And then man was placed in a beautiful garden uh, with his needs supplied. Thirdly, Adam was given meaningful work and responsibilities. Only one minor restriction. God had wisely created Adam with a need, a companion, and a helper. And then he called Adam to recognize his need. He had Adam name all the very it's almost amusing to listen to think about Adam naming all the animals. And when he finished naming the animals, he said, There's not one that's suitable for me. That God wanted a companion and a helper. And none of those animals would do. And so God, in his grace, took Adam's rib and he fashioned a woman. Her name was Eve, and she was exactly what Adam needed. And when Adam saw her, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it was a wonderful time as Adam had his help meet, his helper suitable for him. And then the structure for a successful marriage relationship was enunciated for the first time. It's, it's enunciated again in Matthew 19 and again in Ephesians chapter 5, but it is leaving, cleaving, and one flesh. So that's the structure that God designed for marriage. And then they lived happily ever after. That's not what happened? Of course not. For Satan is against anything that God is against. So we ask ourselves, the first question we ask ourselves, why would Satan attack the family? Why, is that, why would he do that? First of all, Satan hates God. Satan rebelled against God. He wanted to be like God. And therefore, anything that God creates, Satan is against. And so, not only that is true, but think about this. The family is the basis of our culture. It is where children are raised and taught. It is where husband and wife learn to love each other and to exist together. And a lot of our talk this time will be about how the family is to function, not just these theoretical things, but what are the things that we need to know in order to be a functioning family to accomplish God's purpose for which he designed the family? So he, Satan, approached Eve. So if you turn, please, to Genesis chapter 3, we'll walk through this chapter. By the way, this is also the law of first mention, for it's the first time that man was tempted, the first time that Satan ever attempted to uh, cause mankind, Adam and Eve, which all they were, to sin. And it says in verse number one, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. First question, why did Satan approach Eve and not Adam? John? John? 
Adam was taught directly by God. Eve was taught by Adam. Ah, Adam was taught directly by God and Eve was taught by Adam. So it means that Eve had to believe what Adam said. So the first question, notice the first question. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the trees, of the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, truth, but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat, neither do you uh, touch it, lest you die. Second question, did Eve quote God absolutely perfectly? No, No, she did not. Now, by the way, please let me say this again. There's one thing for you to hear the preaching. It's another thing for you to read the Bible and discover the truth of God for yourself. Mm -hmm. So she, why did Satan attack her? Because she had a weakness. And that weakness was that she did not hear what God said. Adam told her what God said. So her information was secondhand. So often when we are confronted by sin, particularly by young people, they will say, well, my, my, my daddy said, I can't do that. My mama said, that's not true. Well, we need to say, you know what? God's word says this. This is the truth. And we need to build our life and our function on the word of God. So Eve was attacked at the very place of her weakness for she did not know and she did not even quote God correctly what he said. So, and the serpent said unto the woman, thou shalt not surely die. Hey, the second avenue of temptation was he simply said the word of God is not true. Uh, we hear that all the time. Do, do you realize that the United Methodist Church has lost 20% of the churches of that denomination over a biblical principle? The principle of same-sex marriage and the principle of homosexual pastors. Are they right to stand on the word of God? Yes. Now, folks, listen. You will build your life on either popular culture and what people say, or you will build your life on the firm foundation of the word of God. Mm-hmm. So when the serpent said to her, you will not, God, God didn't tell you the truth. You did not, you will not die. Now let me tell you something, folks. The, 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 the declarations of God eternally conform to reality. If God says that's the way, whether we understand it or not, whether it makes sense to us or not, if God says it, it is true. And God's people said, we need to understand that. Either the world came into existence by the word of God, or it came into existence on a system that makes no sense at all. And we believe, and I believe, that the word of God is true and right. Listen to what the word of God says. So do the flesh, and of the flesh reap corruption. Now, here's the thing that's so frustrating. As a pastor, so many times in, in, in talking to people about serious issues, maybe home issues or families or personal issues, they would say, you know, I, yeah, I hear what the Bible says, but that, that's a frustrating thing because what they're saying, now listen carefully, they're saying that we're the exception. 
You know, I know what you say, but our family doesn't, doesn't work that way. No, that's not, or you don't know my husband, or you don't know my wife, or you don't know my job. And you, you know, hey, let me tell you something, folks. There is no wiggle room. What God says is true. And I'm telling you, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh root corruption. By the way, notice the first part of the verse. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that's he also reap. You do not, you will not be the first one. Whoever mocked God and resisted his word, and again, sometimes even in a counseling situation, people say not, you know, I know what the Bible says, but that's not what I'm going to do. The broad road always leads to destruction. Now, you are on one of those roads. All of us pick a road. Now, that's not about, this is not about being saved. This is about, the, this, the passage was written to Christians, as I said last week. So we're on a broad road. That is the road where everybody's going. It's a popular road. It's an easy road. Uh, it's not, not much stress on that road. All our friends are on that road. So we can choose that road if we want to. Or we can choose the narrow road, which is difficult. And it's hard to get on that road. And it's hard to stay on that road. And it's lonely on that road. And we, the, that road is not popular. But remember, that road leads to life. And the other road leads to destruction. And God said it. And therefore it is true. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you a very profound thought. You know what all means? All means all. That's all all means. Therefore, when he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, how much is inspired of God? All of it. And all of it is profitable. It's all good. It's all useful. The problem is not that the word of God doesn't have the answers or it's not useful. Is we don't know what the answers are. We don't know, you know, if, if, a, if a question comes up or a problem comes up, we don't know where to look. But somewhere God has told us the answer. The Bible says in 2 Peter, he's given us all things, listen, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have everything that we need to live for God. The Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven. And this is the one thing we as believers need to realize. These commands and restrictions of God are merely guardrails on our journey. You know, we have this idea that God somehow is, is, is kind of, you know, strict and, and he's kind of doesn't want us to have any fun and he wants us to, you know, do. Hey, let me tell you something. All of God's declarations eternally conform to reality, but really it's for our safety. Uh, a guardrail? Hey, you can run into, run into a guardrail if you want to, or if you're asleep, but the guardrail is for your protection. So when God puts up guardrails, it is not to make us miserable, it is to protect us. And once we get that in our mind, that we don't fight against the, the, rec, the, the uh, restrictions, the commands of God, the safer we are of making the grand mistake. So God's commands and his restrictions are merely guardrails. And then it says this, and this, and this should be a sobering thought. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We have in our room this morning, this evening, some newlyweds. You're figuring out life. I remember those days we figured out life too, you know. Made some mistakes along the way, and you will too. But you know, 
it's not God's way is the best way. It is God's way is the God's way is the only way. And if you want if you want to have life, you want to have a good home, you want to have peace, then follow God's way. It's the only way. So Adam shows disrespect. First of all, Eve showed disrespect for Adam. She didn't believe what he told her. In other words, Adam had plainly told her what God had said, but she did not respect her husband. Hey, the question came up this morning in one of the Sunday school classes. Before the fall, was Adam in charge? Or did that only happen after the fall? That's a good question. Well, let me, let me propose this. Adam, very clearly, we talked about it last week, Adam was given dominion over all of creation. So was Eve part of creation? Somebody say yes. Eve was part of creation. Therefore, did Adam have dominion over Eve when she was created? The answer is yes, yes he did. Now, if there was no sin, and if there was no rebellion, dominion wouldn't really matter, would it? Because she would not do anything wrong. So therefore, there would never be a disagreement because they're all on the same page. But when uh, Eve was confronted by Satan, suddenly there was a disagreement. Now she said, God, did God say, he was questioned with that. She disrespected her husband. Now, when Satan said, you shall not surely die, even more importantly, who did she disrespect then? He disrespected God. Is God's word true? Now, folks, that's where we live. We live there every day. Uh, we know what God says. We read the word of God. We, read, we hear the preaching of the word of God. We hear the teaching of the word of God. And the question is, do we believe it? Now, if you, if you look at theology, excuse me for being a little technical here, there is Bible theology. That's everything the Bible teaches about the Bible and about truth. I mean, that's, that's it. Then, then there's systematic theology. That is, somebody has taken different parts of what God has said and puts it into an organized way so that you can study systematic theology. But there's another theology. And it's a personal theology. Not what you say you believe, but what you really believe. Hey, my God shall follow your needs. Do you ever worry? You see what I'm saying? Our personal theology is how much do we really believe the Bible? And if we're perfectly honest, there are times where we are tested right at that point where we know what the Bible says, we know what God says, but we are not real sure that that applies to me. Do I have enough faith to believe God and to trust God to take care of me if I obey him? So then, then he said, for God doesn't know. Look at verse number five. For God doesn't know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Question. Is that a true statement? I'm not, I don't, I don't, ask, I don't ask trick questions. Is that a true statement? Is it true or not true? Yes. Technically, yes. Well, that's almost a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> The idea somebody say something. Uh, part of it's true. They didn't know good and evil. Were they gods? No. Now remember, Satan always lies. That's what he does. So he made it sound like there's a benefit in this fruit. 
And therefore, if you eat it, it would turn out to be a good thing. Now, of course, the answer, did it turn out to be a good thing? No, it did not. The loss was incalculable. That's not working too good today. Whatever that word is. So, Satan lied to her, and then by her believing it, and she did believe it, she disrespected God's character. Hey, here's a question for you, for you. Do you believe that God withholds anything from you that is good? Do you believe that God, all the things that God wants for you are good? Do you believe that every good gift and every perfect gift you have comes from God? Hey, I'm writing a second book right now and I'm looking at that passage again. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. What is thou thou hast not received? And thou hast received it. What is thy glory is that thou hast not received it? That's a good question, isn't it? Because somebody said, well, I worked hard and I'm smart. And so therefore I do, and I, no, 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 no. If you're smart, where'd you, how'd you get smart? God, if, if you're talented, where'd you get talent? From God. That's what Paul's asking. So the fact is to say that God has withhold, does withhold things from us. That, that makes fun of the, the, the character of God. God is not that kind of a person, is he? So, the woman then, now look at this. She steps outside of her husband's authority. You see, God is not ever wrong. He talked to Adam and not Eve. Therefore, we can assume that he expected Eve to obey what he had said to Adam. But the woman stepped outside. And had she done that? Had she said, wait a minute, Adam said, and I'm not going to do it. But that's not at all what she said. Now look at the next part. And when the woman saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Three things. She saw, she, it was pleasant to her eyes, and a tree to make one wise. Satan has no new schemes. Always the same way. When Jesus was in the wilderness, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, Matthew chapter 4. Now, how did Jesus respond to those temptations by Satan? Always, consistently, by what? The Word of God. See, he goes right back to what God has said. And that's where we have to go. When we're tempted, we have to say, wait a minute, that's, that, God says this. And that's exactly how, di- and by the way, in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, listen to this, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. For all that is in the world, listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, does that sound familiar? Is not of God, but it's of the world. Now listen. And the world passeth away, and the lusts are off. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And that is the truth. See, all those things that we see and we want and we desire to make us more important don't give us what we want. Gives us, in fact, destruction. Because the world's going to pass away. And suppose you have all that you ever wanted. 
Suppose you accomplish all you ever wanted to accomplish outside the will of God. That's going to be a short time. And you're going to live somewhere forever. And you're going to stand before God one day. As a believer, you're going to answer to God for what you did with what he gave you. And the time he gave you. And you're going to answer to God for all the decisions you made outside of his will. So look, the woman saw. She trusted her own opinion instead of God's word from Adam. Wow. In other words, somehow in her mind, she was able to rationalize, I know what God said, but it really does look good. And then she said, it's good for food. Now, I said to you last time, I want you to remember. So go back, keep your finger here. Go back to chapter 2 and verse 9. Let's look at what God did. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the, the meat, the food that God prepared for Adam and Eve were pleasant to the eyes and good for food, right? Does that sound familiar to you? Doesn't sound familiar to you. It does sound familiar to you. How does it sound familiar to you? Isn't that exactly what Eve said? It was pleasant to the eyes. It was good for food. Now, Satan has always been the counterfeiter. He always wants to substitute something for the real thing. And that's been his, that's been his tactic forever. Listen, if he can get you to believe a false doctrine as compared to the scriptures, he's won. If he gets you to live a life contrary to what God has said, he's won. He can make that life... Listen, have you ever seen a liquor commercial with a drunk laying on the ground, throwing up in his own gommet outside a bar? Have you ever seen a commercial like that? Well, of course not. You know, that's not the way they advertise their, their product. But by the way, does that ever happen? Can it happen? Of course it does. You see, Satan has always made sin look attractive, and that's exactly what he does here to Eve. He presented to her something that looked like what God had, had provided. There's so many, so many things that God gives us. God gives us a home, a, a, mar a, mar a home. Many, many of us are married. My wife and I have been married eight or nine years anyway. And, uh, and you know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And by the way, I, I appreciate it more now as, as you get older, you appreciate it more than ever that, you know, we live together, we love each other, and all those things happen. But you know, God can take a, I mean, the devil can take a false idea and say, you know what, there's something missing from your marriage. This isn't your soulmate. You ever heard that? You didn't marry your soulmate. You got to go around and look for your soulmate. Let me tell you something, folks. That's a lie of the devil. You see, the, the devil will attack our home because that is the basis of our life and the basis of raising our family, the basis of our own happiness, the basis of our own uh, achievement as God puts us together to accomplish his purpose. So Satan is the great counterfeiter. He takes what God has created for our good and makes it something else and makes it sound like there's something else that we need. It looked good. It tastes good. But it was forbidden by God. The, the, only, the only question, there was only one question here. It wasn't that it did it look good. Did it taste good? That wasn't the question. What was the question? God said, don't eat it. 
And by the way, we don't have to understand why God said that. We, I mean, I don't know if Eve understood that or not. I'm not sure she comprehended it. Maybe she did. I don't know. But the fact is, it doesn't even matter. It ma- what matters is God said it. And therefore, those guardrails that God puts up on our life are those guardrails that intend to, pr- to protect us from destruction. So, it was desired to make one wise. <laughs> And Eve wanted something she believed God had not given her. Wow. Unhappiness, dissatisfaction. There's something, you know, I don't, I don't feel like my life is, is complete. I, I think I, you know, I, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All good gifts and every perfect. How much does God give us? As much as we need. If, that, if that's not enough for you, then there's something wrong with your water. Now, the world will dangle in front of you a lot of things that you don't have and think, you know, we buy hamburgers we don't like and cars we don't need because of what people advertise. That's what they do. They try to get you to want something. Uh, I'm an addict to Amazon. And you go on Amazon and start looking through Amazon and you find something you really do need. Right? And it's easy. One click, you did it. Hey, that's the way we do it with our life sometimes. We're, we're, we're living our life. We've got a family. We've got a wife. We've got children. We've got a husband. All this stuff. And all of a sudden, something comes along and it attracts our attention. And the next thing you know, we have wanted things that God has not given us. And let me tell you something. What God gives us is sufficient. As a matter of fact, let me, let me say it this way. And please understand, this is not just preacher talk. God's been so much more benevolent with me than I ever deserved. I mean, God has, has blessed me and helped me and strengthened me. Goodness gracious, I'm 78 years old. And I can still put sentences together pretty much. You think about that. You've mar- been married 57 years with the same woman. And she still likes me. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And God has provided all those things. And anything he hasn't provided, I don't need anyway. So, she felt like that God had cheated her. So, the, the, here's, the, here's the next question. This is a serious question. It says, And desired to make one wise, and she did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Why? She said, but Adam didn't have to eat it. By the way, it says he was with her. I don't know. I, I, I thought about that a lot. But does it mean that he was there during all this temptation time and heard all that? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. If I don't know, I'm, I'm going to tell you I don't know. And I don't know. But I do know this. He ate it. And so the question I told you, when you study the scriptures, ask yourself why. Why would Adam eat it? I mean, he knew God told him what would happen. He brought Eve into his life, which was a good thing. He loved her. It was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, all that stuff. But why did he eat of it? Well, I think the reason he ate of it is because he loved Eve. I think he honestly believed. Now, this is, this is Dan Sweat talking. You understand? This is, this is how, I, how I see it. That he believed, he, he believed God, and he believed if he was going to die, I'm going to die too. 
I love her, and I don't want to. I don't. I'm going to do it." And he did it. Now, whatever reason he did, it was wrong, and God held, held him accountable for it. The sin was Adam's, even though it originated with Eve. Now, notice a couple of things you need to notice here. Eve stepped out of the will of God. She questioned God's wisdom, questioned God's truthfulness, questioned God's benevolence. So she stepped out of faith in God and ate of the fruit. Adam simply obeyed and did what Eve said. Then Eve, who was to be Adam's helper, became Adam's leader. It didn't turn out very good. And Adam followed her. And he followed her to his own destruction. Now, very important. What were the, what were the ramifications of what happened? Did, did, did what God say? Did, well, let me say, what, what, Eve, what the devil said to Eve, did that happen? No. Did what God say, did that happen? Now let's talk. I want you to look at what happened. This, is, this, this should make all of us pull up short. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that he also reap. You know, you can't break God's will, break God's law. You can break yourself against God's law. Now notice this. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made aprons. And we'll talk about that in a minute. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. The first and most important thing and the most dramatic thing they lost was fellowship with God. First, first John 1 says, if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now, folks, I, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if you, if you feel like you walk in the fellowship with God or not. But, you know, if you, if you could just maybe take a moment sometime this week and read Psalm 23, listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. What's the next part? I shall not want. I love it in, I love it in the Spanish. I will lack for nothing. That's, I mean, that one statement, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. I mean, by green, by green pastures, by the still waters. I mean, all those things that God is and God does, Just that, that's his presence. If I am following the shepherd, if the shepherd is my shepherd, and I'm hearing his voice and he follows me. Now imagine if that is the case and suddenly it goes away. It was Jim Berg who said in his book, Change to His Image, all God has to do to ruin us is to leave us alone. Did you get that? All God has to do to ruin us is just to leave us alone. If, if God left us alone, we'd ruin ourselves. If God left us alone, we'd make such a mess out of things, we'd, we'd just be a mess. Our life would be a mess. So the first thing they lost was a fellowship with God. They walked with God. Think of that, walking with God in the cool of the day in the garden that God had made. And now that's gone. They also lost their innocence. Look at verse uh, 3. Begin at verse 8. They heard the voice of God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord said unto Adam, 
called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, That is God who told thee thou wast naked. They lost their innocence. Look, if you would, look over at verse, this is chapter 2, the last, last verse, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. <laughs> they lost their innocence. Think about that. God made them. They were naked. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't ashamed. And now they're hiding behind the tree. Let me ask you a question. Did God know where Adam and Eve were? Yes. Sure he did. But God wanted Adam to know where he was. He was behind the tree. And he suddenly realized he was, he was naked. The innocence was gone. His purity was gone. And their peace was gone. Whereas before they walked with God in harmony and enjoyed the fellowship with God, Adam, Adam said to God, I was afraid. I hid myself. The first mention of fear, of fear in the Bible, right here. They lost the presence of God and they became afraid. And let me tell you something. To the, to the degree that we trust God, we're not afraid. Boy, the songs tonight, Mike, where, where you, there you are. You know, He's the, he, he doesn't get defeated in battle. Be strong in the Lord. You know, uh, he's the one who wins the battle. And as long to the degree that we trust in God, we're not afraid. You say, wait a minute. There's some terrible things. Going. Yeah, I know that. I know there's some storms that come and wind that comes. But if your house is built on the rock, you're not afraid. So they lost their peace. Instead of having peace and walking in the garden with the Lord, enjoying his provision, which was benevolent, which was abundant. Now they were afraid. They were naked. They hid themselves. And then they lost their trust in each other. It's God's will that a marriage, that the two members of the marriage learn to trust each other. Marriages are, are fragile things, but it's so important that we develop trust and honor with each other. And Eve disrespected Adam. She didn't trust what he told her. Or at least if she did it, she didn't trust him enough to believe it and obey. Instead of that, she stepped out and did the wrong thing. But not only did she, her trust of Adam go away, but when Adam was confronted by God about his sin, what happened then? He blamed Eve. So his trust in Eve was gone. So where, instead of living in harmony as a, as a married couple, as God intended, and Adam being the leader and his wife being her, his companion, his helper, and everything being wonderful, now they've lost their trust in each other. And I will say to you, trust is very difficult to, to rebuild. And we must be very careful with our lives. We must be very careful of what we say, but very careful of what we, where we go and what we do and the chances we take. They lost their trust. By the way, they lost their home. Look at verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubim, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way 
of the tree of life. That beautiful home that they had. Uh, the gracious provision that God had made for them. Uh, the peace they enjoyed together. The innocence they enjoyed together. The fellowship with God they enjoyed. Now their home was gone. That, that place that God put them, that perfect place that God made. It's a terrible thing when a home disintegrates. It's a terrible thing when a home shatters and breaks up. And they lost their physical home. They lost their trust in each other. Adam's light labor became hard. Whereas he had this beautiful garden, he was told to work it and to manage it. But now he said, if you would, go back to chapter uh, uh, 3 and verse 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken, and for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. I mean, going from that beautiful place where everything was provided, where all the food was good and right and delicious and wonderful, pleasure of the eyes, good for food, now... The, the very life feeding your family, doing it becomes hard. His work becomes hard and difficult. Also, replenishing the earth becomes painful. Uh, God's command to man, not only to tend the garden, but to replenish the earth, have children. That was part of it. Now, uh, having children is painful, it's difficult. Uh, we just had our third great-grandson, our third great-grandchild born. And bless her heart, our great grand, our granddaughter is in labor a whole long time. And some of you ladies have been through that too, and it's not easy. And yet, that's part of the curse of sin. That the, the, the ability to reproduce, the ability to replenish the earth. And then, Adam was to rule over Eve. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and in conception, and sorrow shall they bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That was not necessary before. What he says is, you're going to desire to rule your husband, and yet he is going to rule over you. By the way, where did she, where'd she ever get the idea that she could rule over her husband? When, the, when he, she led him into sin. She did, she did rule over him. She took control, and it cost them their innocence. So Adam was now to rule over, him, over Eve. Now, and aging began, resulting in death. God reminded them, I made you from the dirt, it's where you're going back. Dust thou art, to dust thou shalt return. But it's something even more dramatic than that. Their firstborn son murdered their second son. Now, you know, I can't think of anything as hard as that. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever I would ever lose, whatever pain I ever endured, it, it wouldn't be anything like that. To think about Abel killing Cain, the first son, where did he learn rebellion? Now, he wasn't there when Adam and Eve sinned, obviously. However, he followed in their footsteps. And... Murder his brother. When we plant 
the seeds of sin, they do come up. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that he also reap. So there's tremendous instruction in this passage about the home, about the things we were not to do, but also the things that make a home what it is and make a home strong and why we need to listen to what God has said and focus our home and and form our home based on the truth that God has revealed in his word. And, And don't say to me, well, you don't know our family. You don't, I'm a lot smarter than my husband. I'm going to rule. No, it doesn't matter how smart you are. That's not even the question. God sets up a structure for the good of the family, for the rearing of children, for the accomplishment of God's purpose. And we step outside of that that structure that God has created. There's always a disaster waiting. The guardrail is broken and we go off the edge and somehow or other, it's a difficult place to get back. And there's some things you can't recover. And I trust that you will listen carefully as we discuss these things. Next, next lesson, by the way, we two weeks from now, but next week we have Pastor Felber's ordination if he passes the test on third Friday. We're not sure yet, but if you do. But we're going to talk about this. Now think about this. Your, 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 your sheet your study sheet talks about what, who is a beautiful woman? What does a beautiful woman look like? And what constitute a gentle man? Very important. I mentioned in yesterday, last Sunday when we talked about it, the thing that we battle all the time is culture. We, the culture around us tends to make our values uh, people that, you know, that are wealthy are looked up to as being wonderful people. Uh, you know, but when you talk about beauty of a woman, the world has its ideas, obviously. But that's not the question. The question is, how does God describe a beautiful woman and why? And then God talks about what is a man to be. So the next week, the two weeks now, we'll discuss this thing about the, the beautiful woman and the gentleman, the roles, the, the way God lays out for us to be as men and women. And this would apply not only to married people, but to single people too. This is what God wants us to be. And we'll look at that next time. Father, thank you so much for your word. We see here the tremendous cost of disobeying you and walking outside of your will of choosing to walk our way and not your way. And Lord, I thank you personally that the word of God is true and right and we can follow it and we can believe it. And we can understand that this is the way that you lead us and when you lead us, you're our shepherd. And we never want. We thank you for the truth of it, for the peace of it, for the joy of it. We thank you for who you are and that you're faithful every day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand and close with 553. 553, Lord bless our home.